see you see people that have never been to demonstrations in their lives, their lives that they are they're simply not interested in politics, and that decided to 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 go to say it's it's what we say basta. It's too much. You know, we cannot accept this anymore. That the question, what kind of cities do we want to live in? How do we want our cities to be? Cannot be divorced from the question of what kind of people we want to be. What kind of humanity we wish to create amongst ourselves and how we want to create it. And it is that mutual constitution of the city and who we are and what we are that is something which is, I think, again, very important to reflect upon. This is The City, an hour dedicated to a critical discussion of urban issues. And welcome to the program here on CITR 101.9 FM, CITR.ca, syndicated on CJSF 90.1 FM, CJSF.ca, and available as a podcast at thecityfm.org. I'm your host, Andy Longhurst. For the next hour, 2013 is already turning out to be a busy year for social and political protest movements in cities across the world. What began as protests against increases in public transportation fares has grown into a larger social movement contesting Brazil's state policies, the deteriorating quality of urban life for Brazil's poor, and the growing list of negative social impacts as a result of the country's hosting of the 2014 FIFA World Cup and the 2016 Rio Olympic Games. On the program, I talk with a social anthropologist from the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro. You're tuned into the city. Stay with us. And Cecilia Mayo is professor of social and cultural anthropology at the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro, who you heard uh, in the intro. And she focuses her research and and her work on environmental regulation, indigenous activism, and the relationship between urban centers and rural regions in Brazil. She's been paying close attention to the current social unrest uh, taking place in Brazil's cities, including Rio, uh, where she lives, um, as well as Sao Paulo and other cities across the country. And I caught up with Professor uh, Mayo on June 26th. Can you, um, first, I understand you're a professor of uh, social anthropology. Can you just tell me briefly a little bit about yourself and the research that you do? Uh, yeah, uh, well, I'm an anthropologist and uh, I work in an urban research institute. Uh, but also it has rela- it is connected somehow to uh, re- what we call here, I don't know how you call there, regional study. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's not only about cities, but about the relation of city and its area around it. So I do research... Um, on environmental issues, uh, basically about uh, how environmental licensing process, I guess, 
we, we call it that way there. Um, the way the process that um, companies have to to go through in order to get a license to build something or um, establish itself in an area. So I do research on how this um, now in, in Brazil, né, this big development, what so-called development projects impact. Uh, what we call traditional populations, like indigenous groups, um, African descendant communities, and their way their way of life. Hmm. And and tell me a little bit more. Is the research around environmental regulation and licensing is that primarily in Rio, or is that um, outside of uh, urban centers? Yeah. Um, I, I, outside urban centers, but they are connected somehow to urban centers. Basically, in the Amazon, in the region of Altamira, where the, the dam, Belo Monte Dam, I, maybe you've heard about it, mm-hmm. is being built. And in, in the state of Bahia, also, where shrimp farms are trying to establish in areas of, of fishermen and, and, and traditional and fish collectors and uh, crab collectors, but also in in urban areas, uh, I have students that are from that doing their masters on uh, the expansion of oil industry around the urban area in Rio. Mm. Can you and the, yeah, the impacts on on the on the city? And what are some of those impacts? Well, basically, um, the last protected areas we have around the, the Guanabara Bay are being um, completely destroyed for buildings, uh, which one will be one of the biggest um, petrochemical uh, plants in Brazil. And so there are impacts, in, and also there will be impacts in the air quality so now there is basically impact on on the ecosystem around the bay, on the last area, let's say the last areas that are still um, conserved and and available for fishermen and other small communities that still manage to live around the bay, but also later when they finish building this plant, the air quality of all Rio because it's the Guanabara Bay is. Uh, is basically all around the city and and the air quality will be much poorer than it is right now. And where are most of these companies um, from? Well, the, the petrochemical plants will, will be used for many companies, but basically it's a product from Petrobras, the Brazilian oil company. Mm-hmm. And But it, uh, it's, it's not only, it's a refinery, that will be used for Petrobras, but all the area around is already, uh, let's say, occupied by other oil companies. Mm-hmm. And are the environmental impacts, how are they um, distributed across urban space or across the landscape? Are, are those impacts likely to be uneven and how and who they affect? Yeah. Uh, basically, well, there one... You know, 
in, on one hand, we see uh, that the impacts will, will, will affect everyone in the sense that it's, the air quality will be worse but, uh, than it is today. But uh, on the other hand, we people that live from their uh, natural resources where uh, around the bay will be certainly more affected than, than the rest of the population. So fishermen, that we still have fishermen that uh, work and live around the bay. Uh, they are uh, last week they, the the companies that are it's like a big consortium uh, that are building this. They are they are fighting against the fishermen. They killed six the last four years, mm. and last week another one has been killed because they still. Um, they men they resist they are organized they don't accept the presence of these companies in, in their in their uh, homes let's say in their area the fishing areas and they are trying to to really end up with these uh, last let's say resistance last fishermen that still resist and 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 and, and, and try to 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 keep uh, living and working in the Guanabara Bay, so it's like it's not just a conflict, uh, let's say, for the resources. It's it's been it's getting worse. They are really acting uh, with what we call malicious. I don't know how mm-hmm. you say that. Yeah. You, you say malicious. Malicious, yeah. Yes, the uh, the oil company is not. Uh, they they hire companies like they 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 hire other companies to build the refinery and these other companies are connected to militias mm-hmm. and this this is a big case now in in the in the city in national wise but however the media the the hegemonic media here does not talk about it but it's a huge issue that uh, like human rights are being disrespected. These fishermen are are being killed, and it's shocking for everyone in Rio to see how how far uh, in, in what we call environmental conflicts can go. Mm. Let's talk about that resistance, which um, maybe as as news reports um, coming across in North America have characterized. Uh, the movements arising out of uh, mm-hmm. the the free fair movement, um, but around larger questions of quality of life in um, Brazil's cities, can you yeah. talk about um, from your perspective what you're seeing in places like Rio and really what this movement um, is about? Yeah, well, it's about many many issues. I think um, since uh, for. We, we observe in Brazil like this huge economic growth, which is not, um, which is not, uh, it's, on, it's, it's, it's an economic growth that has not, re- it's not reaching everyone. So it's not well shared mm-hmm. amongst the population. And, and so what we observe is the pattern of, of un- unequal, uh, distribution of wealth is maintained. For you to have an idea, the last uh, 10 years, the gross national product or the gross, the, 
the gross domestic product uh, per capita is five times bigger than it used to be, but the minimum wages are 30% lower. So we, we see an economic boom in, in the country, but most people, especially those who live in the cities, are not, uh, they do not really have a better life in the sense that most of this boom is, called, is, being, um, is being related to changing the, the infrastructure of the cities. So with this, the, the World Cup and the Olympic Games, there is a huge change in the dynamics, for instance, of, uh, of land owning and uh, property owning in the cities. So it's much, the speculation is, is really amazing, it's like out of control. And people that, for instance, pay a, um, a rent, now they cannot afford, they have to change for, for areas far from the center in order to be able to live, because in Brazil it's different from the North, from North America, because we, the closer you live from in the center, the better you live. Mm-hmm. And like the sub, what we call suburbs are like peripheral areas that no one wants to to go to. Mm-hmm. So people are being, uh, let's say, expelled from the center of the cities and are obliged to live in the suburbs with lower infrastructure and high cost transportation so so this process was going on for for some years uh, and the costs for transport for transportation are very very high some people prefer to sleep in work uh, because they cannot afford going and coming back for you to have an idea downtown in Rio there are people that sleep on the streets not because they don't have a home but because it's so so expensive to go home every night mm-hmm. that they prefer to, to stay on the streets. Pay they, they they are organized. They pay for an area where they can sleep uh, on the streets, and and the next day they can go to work. So it's it's really a serious structural problem for a long long time. But now it's getting worse because uh, the, the transport quality is, is terrible, and the salaries. Are losing their power of um, of buying things, and so, and at the same time, the city the, there is an insatisfaction with the the authoritarian uh, pro uh, uh, poli- policy policies uh, mm-hmm. because they are removing people from their homes, just like it happened in China for the Olympic Games. It's happening now in Brazil. Uh, people that live in areas where they are going to build stadiums or build roads, they they have to leave. Or simply, for instance, uh, a very well-known case here: people that are will live around the the autodromo and where they have the race, the car races. These people are they live in a favela, which means a, a low-income settlement, mm-hmm. because um, they don't. They don't look beautiful. Their houses are poor, uh, even though they have they they would not disturb what already exists there. Uh, they simply want to to clear the area so that the the tourists and everyone who's coming for the games will not see them. So these people will have to leave their home. So a basic human right, which is living, have have a house, have a have a place where 
um, where you can have a, a, a security and and the minimum of comfort is being under threat in Brazil. Are, is the 2014 World Cup and the 2016 Olympics, are they being yeah. used politically as a way to expedite these processes of displacement? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Uh, because I, the, the president of FIFA recently uh, said um, he, he, openly that it's more difficult to work with democratic governance than with authoritarian mm-hmm. regimes. So I think he was uh, complaining that in Brazil, as it's a democracy, people are angry and they are going to the streets, they're, they're speaking out, and other countries it didn't happen. But uh, what's going on now is that the state is doing, um, is doing things out completely in a completely authoritarian way in, and also the use of um, strong and violent police on the street is something that we've never seen before. So the, bruta- the police brutality, the, vi- the police violence is shocking everyone. So mm-hmm. they're trying to really stop the, the demonstrations and stop um, people's voice because there's lots of economic interests involved. In North America, we often see images of um, the army policing the favelas. Have have uh, has the military been deployed in these protests as well? Sorry, Sorry. Ha- has the military also been deployed to deal with these protests? And give me a sense. No. no yeah, not- in Brazil, what happens is that since the dictatorship uh, regime, uh, the the police. Is, is not a civil police, it's a military police. Right. So these police, uh, the army is not there, but the police is trained as if they were army, which means they are trained for war. Right. And basically what they've been doing for years in the favelas, in the poor settlements, is fighting against the drug trafficking as if they were enemies and killing uh not only the drug traffic traffickers, but also the the civil population, the people that are workers, and everyone that lives in the Fadet that have nothing to do with all that. So we say that we have a death penalty that is not official, it's unofficial death death penalty. Last uh, yeah, last last night, no, yeah, in um twenty five, yeah, twenty fourth. They've killed 13 people in Maré Favela. Maré is a, is a set, poor settlement in front of the university where I work, mm-hmm. next to the airport. And the police, the, the, the military police invaded the favela and the people that live there and, and dwellers, they, they say it was just like a war. Mm-hmm. And the next morning, they, they counted 13 people killed. Mm. And this is this this is very it's not unusual. It happens in, in Rio for a long time. But uh I think that now with the the, the demonstrations and and all the uh movements for for basic civil rights and also uh social rights like education and health the health system is very is under collapse, 
So people are more fighting against it, and the police, which is not which, which is not there to protect the civil population, they are they are there to stop it. So we we are observing a moment of, of violence growth that is very very serious. How much of this is also a lot of the 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 narrative around um, the the drug violence um, in and just the violence in the favelas um, always places um, those involved in in drug trafficking um, as as criminal and um, sort of they they become a category into themselves as they are the others they are. Um, they deserve what they get. How much of this is because uh, favela, those who live in favelas are excluded from the formal labor market? And so there are very few options. Yeah. Um, yes, some, in, in a way, they are excluded from the, the formal labor market, but also uh, with the economic growth, many, many people are looking for jobs and not for... Uh, for instance, uh, drug trafficking. The problem is that the the wage in, paid in Brazil are low. As I said, the the minimum wage is, is has lost 30 percent of its value the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So the 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 many young people decide to 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 be part of it of the drug trafficking because it gives better wage. Let's say. Uh, and and the police has a and all oh, the law the Brazilian law is criminalizing the drug trafficking but not the the small consumer, which means that most young black youth is being under threat in Brazil. It's like uh, the it's very there is a racial component. It's not proportional. Like many many young black kids are being. Uh, Killed and or in prison because they somehow get involved in this and and the society as a whole is, is, would not we didn't used to to say anything. There was a little bit to sense if you are involved you deserve it. Mm-hmm. But now I think that there is a growth of um, of conscience awareness uh, because people are very very shocked shocked. Let's say that it's just a, there is a limit. You know, the police cannot do everything they want. They cannot just kill people without a proper judgment. So, so I think there, like people that live in the favela, they they are fed up. They they said, no, stop it. We cannot accept it. Uh, this police that enters in the houses without uh, a legal um, a legal demand and that 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 threatens young and ch- children that you know that uh, steal sometimes things objects and money from workers' houses. So there is a limit, and I think the moment we we are here in Rio is like uh, there it's it's been too far. They've been they they've gone too far, and now all the population. Yesterday there was a, a, a demonstration from. A favela, Rocinha, in front of the mayor's apartment hmm. building, uh, saying we don't want a teleferric. Do you say teleferric? 
um, a transportation system mm-hmm. uh, to to on mountains, we want a better health and better education. Mm-hmm. So I think all 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 the sectors, all classes are somehow on the streets to because it's been it's gone too far. Brazil's known for uh, the in, uh, legally enshrining the idea of the right to the city, and yeah. I'm wondering if you can talk about that. Yeah. Um, the right to the city it, it, it has many meanings. I would say that it's 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 a fight. It's it's a process, and it has to do with the people being able to to be part of the city and use the city and build the city, uh, and not just use the city as a place where where they they uh, they pass through when they go to work. So what we what we we are seeing now is like people the 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 issue that was basic in the demands is a trans is a better transportation system public transportation system which is a a, a vi- vital element of the right for a city mm-hmm. because uh if you cannot walk around the city if you cannot go through the city you can you you don't you're not part of it uh but also the right to the city is about uh, people that want a better uh, leisure areas, uh, a better life quality as a whole. We have a, a model of development based in the individual car, and and this means that it's a, it's it's very very difficult for most of the population to have a good transportation uh, system, and 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 it's very expensive as well, and the impacts are collective. You know, everyone is is affected negatively affected by the the growth of of, of this this choice, né? this choice to invest in uh, in a in a individual uh, mobility. I, I think for for North American listeners, they yes. probably don't grasp the the scale of of uh, how large. Um, Rio and Sao Paulo actually are and yeah. how much time it takes to actually travel through the city mm-hmm. and the periphery. Can you give, can you give people a sense of, um, the, the extent to which the city as an urban settlement, um, is, is a challenge to actually, uh, move through? Yeah. For, well, Rio, Rio de Janeiro has, uh, six, Million people live in Rio, but the, the the big area, what we call, including the periphery, the peripheral areas that are what we call Grande Rio, like large Rio, mm-hmm. we say it's ten thousand people. Mm-hmm. And and if you live in uh, in one extreme of this uh, of this city. Uh, and you have to go to the other extreme, which is basically what most people do. It's like um, 70 kilometers you have to go through. And this means... Uh, this would be like one hour car drive, mm-hmm. 70 kilometers. But people, they can stay three hours. They can. It can take three hours and... 
And sometimes people spend like five or six hours a day to go and go on and go back home, mm-hmm. go to work and go back home. So it's like, it's too much, you know, yeah. it's unacceptable, yeah. you know, but I, I think average, this would be like extreme, but average, you, you spend two hours a day or three hours a day, one hour and a half and one hour and, or but I think average for, for most people is like three hours a day you stay, uh, in the traffic going and coming back from work. And, and that's, uh, that's extraordinary. That's, uh, it, that's absurd, you know, and, uh, and we have a very poor underground system. So it's basically buses that are very dangerous because, um, drivers are not well trained. Uh, it's not maintained as it should be. The, and, and as, and it, together with the cars, it, the traffic jams are, uh, something like every day you, you face. Sao Paulo is much worse than Rio, but Rio, we say Rio is becoming just like Sao Paulo. Mm-hmm. Some, some you get, you stay hours in the traffic. Right. And it's, it's, it's a one, uh, one thing, and less time with your family, less time doing other things. Yeah. Can you talk about the, the movement itself and, um, getting a sense of, in the media, it's been called a largely a student movement. Um, is that accurate? And uh, if so, wh- how are students um, part of this movement as well? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, news. Paulo, it's a newspaper, respected newspaper from São Paulo. They did a research, and they found that it was fifty-three percent students. Oh wow! And okay. The other half, let's say, would be everyone. Which is interesting about what is interesting about this movement that the heterogeneity of its participants. So uh, you see, you see people that have never been to demonstrations in their life, in their lives that they are they're simply not interested in politics, and that decided to 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 go to say it's it's what we say basta. It's too much. You know, we cannot accept this anymore and we see lots of teachers and uh, uh, not liberal professionals and usually more more higher education people but also you know people from favelas that are domestic workers or or uh, working the service you know services in general it's very heterogeneous. When you go to the manifestations, uh, you see people that work in also in big companies that are also sick of huge companies and their their connection to you know uh, environmental damage. And so you you see a little bit of everything. There is also a, a certain right, you know, people that are very nationalistic and against. The, the government that is so supposed to be left-wing government, the national government, but it's it's there a very small minority, but they they are there also. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a sort of uh, um, it's very surprising for people that have uh, have been 
studying, like me, I, I've, I've been studying social movements for a while, and it's surprising to see the diversity of, of uh, people that are on the street. Older people, with, I've seen lots of older women, um, and it's very surprising, in very, and of course, lots of students. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really it's really uh, new for everyone. We are people are very curious to see what's going on because it's something we didn't expect that would happen. And and now people are they they are on the streets. The next demonstration will be inside of Maré Favela in solidarity for the murders for the for the people that have people family family killed by the police. Solidarity for the people that live there, not for the murders. For the population that is suffering from this uh, uh, illegal uh, uh, killings and actions from the police. Can you talk also about what's going on uh, both federally um, and at the regional and local level, there's been uh, there was a vote um, that was not approved um, or did not go through to uh, further investigate political corruption, and there's yeah. been a movement to reform the entire political structure in Brazil. Uh, can you talk yeah. about that, and and is that playing a part in in this movement? Yeah, this is this is something now it's kind of difficult to to analyze this on on the moment. But I I, I guess uh I mean there the sectors of the government are trying to and and also the media, the hegemonic media, are trying at first they were very, very critical about the, the manifestations, the, the demonstrations. Uh, they criticized it, they said it 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 doesn't represent anything, they don't have a program. But as the, the demonstration got bigger and bigger, let's say the government decided to, to give a, an answer to society, to respond to society. And one project that was going on in, in the parliament was what we say packed into a page with a 37, uh, like an amend for the constitution to stop the public attorneys, uh, to, to, to take out Take the the power they have to investigate uh, crimes, uh, to suspend this power they have and and give it exclusively to the police, which would be terrible because we have, a, as I said, a military police that is uh, as very uh, no people don't trust. So the the public attorneys would be like a, a better. Uh, institution like uh, people have uh, more cre- they have more credibility among among the public but but and so people very we were very worried that this is approved giving full power to the police and stopping let's say society to investigation coming from the public ministry as we call it and finally, they, the, the parliament, they, they didn't authorize it. They didn't accept this, this amend, the constitution. So it was a very good, uh, effect 
of the demonstrations. But the demonstrations are not only about that. Mm-hmm. So let's say the, the, the hegemonic media try to, to focus only on these issues. Right. And, and the government, the federal government, they said that we will do a, a political reform, but which we, no one knows exactly what it means because what will change? Like uh, elections will be pub- founded by the public uh, but who is going to do this political reform? The act, actual parliament that, that everyone is suspicious of. So there are many issues going on, but the, the government is trying to respond to, to society as it is under pressure right now. I want to ask you whether you think um, the idea of the right to the city is something that is enough to uh, force governments to act in a way that that is in the public interest or that benefits um, the public and, and you know, creates greater equality in cities or whether it's been more of um, something that's been used to say that we, we care about this but then we actually don't have to act on it in a way that would show that we actually care about um, creating a just city. Yeah, um I, I think the, the the model of um, city we want is under debate, like because what we see here is uh, it, the, the discussion on the right for a city is is under is going on since '88, since the, the constitution was uh, the new constitution, the democratic constitution was what we say. Uh, Established, mm-hmm. and uh, so the, the movement for the for housing rights, for better life quality, for um, better transportation system are are they do exist for a long time, but now uh, we see like like this this like this agenda, this right for the city agenda, has. Uh, is connected to many other agendas. So now in Brazil, like we see, for instance, the uh, rising of conflicts in the rural areas, basically around in the Amazon and the areas or indigenous groups live uh, related to the constructions of uh, of high infrastructure, uh, like like dams and and roads. So the the right to the city, the right to the city is also a discussion of why do we have such big cities with so many people, and in and there is a reflection, there is a, a concern of uh, we we cannot talk about the city as if it was unconnected, disconnected from the from the rural areas, from the uh, the other areas in Brazil. So we have biggest cities in the Amazon, for instance, or in in the south, south, uh, west, south, southeast of Brazil, because in 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 rural areas, people are they cannot live there. There is a high constant land concentration. There are lots of and violent conflicts involving uh, groups that still uh, they still try to live there. Peasants. Indigenous groups, African descendants, as you say. So many people have 
historically the land uh, in Brazil when when Brazil uh, got uh, independent from Portugal as a colony later on the 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 access to the to land is 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 from fr- it's a market access you have to buy land right. you cannot only occupy it so this means that all groups that are, are already occupied historically land in Brazil they have they had to buy it or became working force workforce for the big farmers so this means that we have a like a structural problem that is the right to land Mm-hmm. outside the cities. And because of this, we have a, a, a big migration that is still going on to the cities. And all the city problems, like um, the water distribution problem and this huge system problem, all the uh, the housing issues, they are connected to this, this uh, structural problem of land access. And so we, what we see now is that people are uh, saying, it, it, which is what is important of this movement, that people are saying everything at once. On the one hand, you can say, no, but the agenda is too big, it's too diverse, it has no focus. On the other hand, you can say no, but because everything is connected. The, the conflicts in the interior of Brazil with indigenous groups, with the construction of uh, uh, hydroelectric power plants and big dams, is connected to the problems in the cities. Mm-hmm. Because people have to leave their areas, their lands, and go to the cities to be workforce uh, for what? And there are no jobs for everyone. So all the unemployment and all the low salaries are connected to these causes. So everything is being discussed at once, which is also somehow um, frightening because they say, oh, how you deal with all that, that those agendas? How... But at the same time, it's it's beautiful because they are trying. People that are on the streets are trying to to say that it's there is a question that is structural that is all around it. Is what kind of development we want to this country? How can we be so rich and at the same time have so many poor people and so many um, uh, bad quality of uh, services in the cities? Can you talk briefly about the response from or the responses from the mayor uh, in Rio? And uh, I know the governor has said he's called uh, protesters uh, thugs and vandals. Can you talk yeah. about the responses from um, uh, politicians and and whether there are politicians that are supporting these movements? Yeah. Um, at first, they said they called vandals, but. Um, but later on, they they and uh, they they recognized this movement as something very serious. Like most most of it was specific. Uh, some conflicts were basically caused by the police, and we have many many uh, testimonies of uh, infiltration. We know that police was infiltrated, I would say, within the movement so as to create a tension. Mm-hmm. So most of it, in the, in, in the cities where the police was not uh, with the demonstrations, there was no act of violence. So 
but now they have to recognize they they somehow recognize that you cannot ju just disqualify or uh, call it illegitimate there so society Brazilian society is recognizing the value of this movement and I think it's very much because of the diversity of it can you also talk about where you think this movement is likely to go in its broadest sense and what the implications are as we think about uh, the upcoming World Cup and, and the Olympics and whether these movements will only gain more steam um, and really scale up their demands um, for change? Yeah, one, um, one the reaction of, the, uh, of FIFA was that they, they have other countries to do the World Cup. They threatened Brazil to, <laughs> to take the World Cup away, let's say. So um, I don't think it's going on. Of course, there are many, many economic interests already in place. And But at the same time, um, they are worried because this can really uh, be a, a problem for for when the the games the the, the games start so what we see um now is is uh, governments trying i think to, to speak frankly i i think that what this movement created is it, it opened uh, a new field of possibilities and and this what people are uh, fighting for is for a democratic, a real democratic system, which means uh, people's sovereignty on all issues. So, if government, if local government, like mayor and or state government or national government, continues to act out in this authoritarian way they are doing, uh, this is not, this is not going to work. So, I think the this movement is forcing somehow. A dialogue, so uh, it's forcing governments to rethink their priorities, and and uh, it, but it, it it has a uh, more it is more ambitious in, in my point of view. It's not it's not only about the government uh, cons doing concessions to the movement. I think there is a especially amongst the the young people, the youth involved, there is a, a real urge. To participate in the public decisions, in the political decisions. So uh, the idea of a participatory democracy is going on, of popular, popular fora, pop where people can really decide uh, in around the neighborhood what they want, what they want for their city. This is this is being uh, this is being debated. So there is a let's say a, a political background. That is related to to demands, but also that we don't want to wait for the government to 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 concede, to do, to accept our demands. Uh, people people on the streets they want to be part of the political decision and be part of a construction of a new city where people have their rights respected and a better life quality. Yeah, but I, I think there is a somehow uh, there is a sort of lesson learned in this process. Like 
I think it has lots, lots of things in common. For example, the Seattle uprising mm-hmm. in 2001, I think. Uh, like people on the streets fighting against, uh, like the hegemonic economic interests. Mm-hmm. Like it was the, the, the WTO. Now it's like World Cup and Olympic Games and all the, the mm-hmm. money of the companies involved, the big sports corporations and, and all these, um, uh, the the interest is related to the build, how do you say the construction industry yeah. and all that and and the, the reaction of the of the police is very similar like it's zero tolerance and 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 very very violent. Welcome back to the city here on CITR 101.9 FM, CITR.ca, syndicated on CJSF 90.1 FM, and that's CJSF.ca. And you can also find the podcast if you missed any portion of the conversation. You can check that out at thecityfm.org. And uh, there's lots of great exclusive web content up there as well. Um, you can find past podcasts and um, searchable and um, down, you can find the link to download the podcast directly um, by iTunes. And that was uh, Cecilia Mayo, and she is professor of social and cultural anthropology at uh, the Federal University of Rio de Janeiro. And her her research focuses on uh, environmental reg- regulations and the relationship between the urban, um, the region, and the rural areas within Brazil, and also on indigenous activism and the relationship between urban centers and, as I mentioned, uh, the rural regions of the country and how resource extraction um, is intimately a part of that. And as you may have heard, uh, she's been paying close attention to the current um, social movement that's been uh, gaining steam uh, in Brazil and uh, really emerging out of um, what started as uh, a protest against increases in, in public transit uh, fares uh, into a broader a broader struggle around the quality of life in the city. And I think it's really interesting as we think about the difference between, um, in many ways, the differences between North American cities or cities of the global north and cities of the global south, um, the differences are often about just the size and scale of, of cities, and particularly in a place like Rio or Sao Paulo, um, to actually move across the city on public transit, or even in a car, can take hours, as she mentioned. So sometimes it's not that crazy to be uh, for it to take six hours or five hours to, to just cross the city itself. And that in itself is, I think, a reason why the idea of the right to the city or um, or what uh, a, a French um, social theorist and political theorist Henri Lefebvre um, 
really theorized, and a lot of urban scholars and activists have really taken up this idea of the right to the city. Um, it, is a, it is a call for um, everyone to be included in transform and having the ability and the right to transform urban space and to be to be part of that process. So, I think it's quite an interesting an interesting time as we think about um, urban social movements across the world, and uh, there is really there's so much going on. Um, it's sometimes hard to keep track of of what's going on, whether it's in, in Egypt and, or, in, or in Rio or Sao Paulo or New York or uh, cities all across, um, across the world throughout Europe as well. So keeping that in mind, and that's something that also on the program um, I like to return to is this idea of the right to the city and, and um, who, who can make those claims to certain spaces and who is excluded. And I think often um, when we think about these issues, um, class and race um, certainly play into this and certainly determine um, who is part of urban space and who can make certain claims um, to be part of it and and to articulate um, the way they want to see it changed um, or reformed or made more inclusive and more um, egalitarian. So we're going to take a break and actually we're going to um, we're going to wrap up the show at this point and I want to thank you so much for tuning in again check out the website at the cityfm.org and uh, find the podcast there and past podcasts as well. There's um, lots of uh, both local content related to Vancouver and also uh, broader themes that are brought out in, um, in the podcast every week. So check it out, thecityfm.org. We're going to be back next week with more Critical Urban Discussions. My name's Andy Longhurst, and I want to thank you, as always, for tuning in, and uh, have a wonderful week. Take care. With the vast amount of changes happening in the world, it's almost impossible to get a clear picture of what's really going on. We are trapped within the logic of capitalism, leaving us unable to imagine what comes next. The Extra Environmentalist brings the perspectives of people who can see the whole picture and are ready for whatever comes our way. Tune in to The Extra Environmentalist every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM. This is the viewpoint that makes all places the same to you. Thanks to sky-high gas prices, we can convince America that more drilling is the answer. High gas prices? Drill more. Prices still high? Try drilling in a wildlife refuge. You're off a nice piece. Our traditional energy resources are limited. Luckily, it's easy for students like you to conserve energy. Woke up late for class? Buy some time in the morning by taking a shorter shower. Cut down by one minute every day and save enough to fund your daily caffeine fix for over a week. Plus, you save on electricity and water. Install a water-saving showerhead to save even more. For more energy-saving tips, go to www.bchydro.com. This message brought to you by BC Hydro and CITR 101.9 FM, Vancouver. How much do you know about bikes? Everything? Perfect. Nothing at all? Even better. At the UBC Bike Kitchen, you can use our space and tools to do your own bike maintenance, get one-on-one instruction on how to fix your bike yourself, or drop your bike off for us to repair. 
you can also buy a fully refurbished, guaranteed used bicycle or a variety of new and used parts and accessories. The Bike Kitchen is UBC's non-profit, student-owned, full-service bike shop. We're located in the basement of the Student Union Building. Just look for the stairwell on the north side of the sub across from Gage Towers, or search for the UBC Bike Kitchen on Facebook. Stop by the Bike Kitchen, and then get riding. Once I did, it was good Then I did what I should Now I know I must have been crazy Once I did, it was good Then I did what I should Now I know I must have been Story was I could only 